Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, City Life Lansing. You belong here. This morning, we are visiting another church to grow, be inspired, and we're learning. And we have a guest speaker with us this morning, Pastor Troy Evans. Now, when we use the term guest speaker, I think sometimes we can communicate that it's like somebody's just coming in and maybe it's not a deep relationship. I'm telling you, this is, I would consider more than a guest, extended family. I've been inspired by Pastor Troy's story. I got to speak on a panel with Pastor Troy and you could feel instantly the power and the presence that he carries of how the Holy Spirit has been leading him. He's been a catalyst towards urban revitalization through the cities and been inspiring so many different pastors all across the world. He pastors the Edge Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and from a gang member to preaching Jesus like crazy, I want you to give a warm, I mean, city life welcome this morning. Get to your feet for Pastor Troy Evans. What up, though? How y'all doing? Have y'all seen? Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Man, I am so uh, ready. This uh, the first service, though. I gotta be. Uh, I'm just me. I just keep it 100. I just cannot like wake up like 9:30. Y'all regular people, give it up for yourself. Man, I am. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I want to dive in, but just uh, Jerome, like, uh, man, just um, we had a chance to meet. We share. Uh, a coach, uh, Tommy Urban D, uh, who's, a, who's a dear friend of both of ours, and introduced us. And uh, like I said in the first service, it's just, um, you know, you meet somebody and then like just immediately they're like brothers for real or sisters for real. That dude. Um, so just know what y'all got, you know. Um, sometimes you, they're there regularly. You forget what you have. Not only us. But uh, around the world, as I travel, we talk about this church literally all over the stinking globe. And I'm not exaggerating at all. So just know, know that I got some pretty dope stuff happening. Uh, what, what, needs to, um, what you need to know about me is uh, I've been married for 21 years as of this week. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, get it in. Uh, I have, uh, I have uh, eight children. Uh, four biological, four uh, young men that God has sent our way to adopt over the years, and which has been dope. Um, this is sweet. Um, and uh, so, I don't know, don't, don't have me get to lie and give all the ages and all that, because that would just mess up everything. It might be recording or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I'll just say that we got a lot of them. My oldest biological son is 28. He'll be 29 this year. I have eight grandchildren. And uh, just, uh, yeah, just, just a lot, lot of uh, action happening in our household. And lastly, I like Batman. You know what I'm saying? Man, look, look here. Let me just say this. Why? Because stupidness. Okay. So Batman, like, like, like he's a, like a, uh, 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 he didn't fall in no green snot. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't like from another planet, you know? Like, it's a normal dude doing supernatural things. That's pretty dope. Give it up for Batman! So, I like Batman. And then, y'all, they left this in the back for me. It was kind of creepy. They'll do like, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, a little Lego thing. So, I really appreciate that. I love intentionality. So, I want to I dive in and, uh, and get it cracking. Uh, so, I want to pray for us. Daddy, whew, we thank you for church. Um, I just can't help myself, but when I pray, just think uh, from just a, a global perspective of people all around the globe that can't do what we're doing right now. So I, I, I repent. I repent every time we walk into these to church doors acting like this is normal. When there's a great majority of people around the globe that's dying, giving their lives to do what we take for granted every single stinking week. So that we pause for them. Lord, I ask you that you delete what I think I know and inject me with your divine understanding because I'm fully, I'm fully aware that I don't know Jack and I need you every single day and every single word that I speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Man, I am here today to uh, to talk a little bit. I, I meant to give a uh, like a like a disclaimer earlier. I don't have any sugar in my diet, so normally when I speak, I don't have any. Uh, I only have one speed, um, and that comes from a great sense of urgency. Um, typically, um, you you um, this thing is what I call your theological quadrilateral, which simply means that what you've experienced, what you've read, um, uh, your traditions, and all things make up your worldview, and then eventually they come out of here, and hopefully they get spirit fingered. You feel me? You start to do something. God has allowed me, through his grace alone, has allowed me to literally travel from one sea to another sea, uh, which is, which is uh, 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 awesome. But it's created a sense of urgency that I can't put in words. I've seen too much. Been too many places. Um, God's allowed me to go to China once and, and had a chance to teach there at an underground church. Until you experience that. Well, at any moment in the province of Shushing, and you're sitting there, and you're sitting there, and you know at any moment that you're, you're illegally doing what you're doing, and we smuggle Bibles in, and you, you, do the, you do this enough times, it messes you up. There's a dude by the name of John Cotter. Um, he's a change, change management expert uh, out of Princeton. He wrote a book, um, and uh, a, a few of them. But there's this thing called eight steps of change management. Do you know the first steps of change, of making social change, an organizational shift, is creating a sense of urgency? You see, if we don't create a sense of urgency, we ain't going to do jack. We're not going to do anything. So for me, I have a sense of urgency that the church must stand up and do something. So I want to talk today just a little bit. I'm going to give you two case studies about God's redeeming power and how it is that God goes after the broken, how he runs after the broken. But not only that he runs after, because typically we're just like, well, Lord, just do what you do. But at the end of the day, that the, the fact that God wants to use you and me, regular people, to go after cats that nobody else wants to go after. Because if we're just honest, we're brutally honest, what we know is, is that we like to go after the low-hanging fruit. Meaning, the cats that are hard to reach, we don't want to be bothered with, quite frankly. Where I'm from, we just tell the truth. At the end of the day, if a cat look like me a little bit, if they have a few little Christian attributes, then I'll go after them. What about that cat that, that carrying them hammers, for real? Who's going after them? We're good with the homeless people. We're good with that. But as soon as that dude walk in there and it's like, for real, for real, and he's not on just no TV gangster, what do we do with them? That's what I want to talk about reaching today. Those ones that we got to stretch and go after. Are with me? All right. So um, I want to use the first story I want to use. This dude uh, by the name of Paul, they call him the Apostle Paul. And I'm sorry, again, my theological quadrilateral, my worldview comes from the hood. That's where I'm from, right? And uh, it messes you up because you start to see things in weird ways. I can't help to see Paul as, um, before he was Paul, as nothing more than a banger. That's a game banger. I go to these universities and stuff, and they ask me to teach and all that, and then I offend all these scholars and stuff like that, and I'm just like, man, I just, ah. But think about it. Saul, uh, who was introduced in the scripture, his introduction, remember his uh, introduction uh, here in uh, Acts uh, chapter 9, verse 1. It says, meanwhile, Saul, this is St. Paul, Saul was breathing, was still breathing out murderous threats. That was his introduction. Remember, he was the same dude that we, what we know as the first martyr to be Stephen was brought. Because in chapter 8, at the beginning of chapter 8, it said he allowed this dude to be murdered. Basically, he would run in. If you represented a crew called the Christians and he represented a crew called the Jews, if you represented totally different, he coming at you. Oh, I think that's a banger. This is the reputation of this cat. I would venture to say that he wasn't low-hanging fruit. What does God want to do with such an individual? So now Saul is on this mission, this missionary journey deal. 
pretty awesome when you go to Jerusalem and you, uh, and, you, and you go to Israel, you're able to see this Damascus Road. It's, it's pretty like this arc thing. And you go, and you start walking down. And it's like, huh, it's pretty cool. And you go down and you, you start walking. He was on this road down Damascus, heading to, to down Damascus. And what he ended up doing is, is that he ended up getting stopped. Imagine this, that Jesus Christ appeared to him because Jesus says to him, said like, yo, why are you persecuting me? Knocked him off his high horse, literally. Blinded him, sent him into the city with his homeboys, Troy's version. Sent him over here and they're over here and he's over here chilling, doing his thing and he's blinded. God had already spoken to him. God had already knocked him off his high horse. God had already put him, stopped him in his tracks for doing what he was about to do. And that was basically taking cats like you and me and bringing you to justice. You're with me so far. Here's where the story gets interesting. I want to pick up here in Acts chapter 9. There's this dude that's going to be introduced in the scripture by the name of Ananias. Every time I say the word Ananias, I want you to think of you. I want you to think of me. Because um, we'll be doing what's called isogeting, meaning that we're making the scripture say something that is not intended to say, to say that uh, Ananias was some awesome dude. Like he, like he was just, he was a paid pastor or he, he had the super anointing. No, no, no. He has the same Holy Spirit that's running through many of us who believe. There's nothing special. We'll be making up stuff to make it like, no, he was just a special dude. Because what we want to do, real quite frankly, we want to outsource evangelism. It's a department. It's an event. It's something that's going to happen. No, no, no. You're supposed to live evangelism. No, no, no. Everyday, regular people, no training. It doesn't matter. You don't go, don't go to no cemetery. Seminary. It's funny. They had me coming to seminaries to teach them how to do practical gospel. Just un- anyway, anyway, I'm for a seminary. We've seen many students. I love, they use my books in seminaries. I, I, it's awesome. I love them. But please stop killing people. The Lord comes to Ananias and says, yo, Troy's language, yo, listen, I got this dude over here whose name is Saul, and I want you to go over here, and I've already interrupted his life. I want you to go and speak and confirm what it is what I've already told him. Ananias. So imagine this. This dude known for murdering cats. <laughs> and you're supposed to sneak over there. Hi, brother Saul. How are you? May God be with you. Lay hands on you. <laughs> for real? So he responds with a practical response. And now we're going to pick up here and in the story right here, verse 13. It says, and this is Ananias' response. Ananias, Lord Ananias said, he said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This dude got a reputation. I've heard from people like me going over here to talk to this dude. Remember when Paul was being introduced to the rest of the, of the apostles? It's like, no, 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 no. He's good, bro. He, he's good. That's the reputation he was bringing to the table. And the Lord is telling this regular dude with nothing special, nothing crazy. He said, I want you to go and reach him. I've already done the work. That makes me God. I'm saying to you, go and. Don't just confirm what I've already said to this dude. And he goes on and says, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. And that would be me and you, Ananias. Verse 15. The Lord said to Ananias, could you please kind of sort of sort of go, please? I'll send you 17 Facebook messages so you can reach, go out and knock on somebody's door that hasn't shown up to church. No, 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 no. There's go with the explanation mark. Go. This man is my chosen instrument. Now, this is the oxymoron. This this doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? This dude sucks. Nothing that we have leading up to this point, if we properly inductively examine the scripture, nothing leading up to this point that says there's anything dope about this dude other than he hate Christians. Nothing. Nothing. But God says that he is my chosen instrument. 
You see, the low-hanging fruit looked like God's chosen instrument, but it's really the ones that have to stretch. Those ones that are hard to reach. You got that cousin. Come on. Don't, don't, don't act like it's just me. I got like my family members all messed up. That one you just like, you just like close the blinds when they come like, hold them slowly. <laughs> come on. Or that person that you just like, man, I've shared, I've told them everything, I did everything. Man, they just ain't getting it. I'm done, deuces. At some point, we all get there. But I'm saying that God doesn't want us to get there. He's saying for us to go after them. Do we know that the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion? Go, therefore, or as you go, is the way it's properly interpreted. As you're going, as you go, make disciples of all ethnos, all ethnic groups. That is not the great suggestion. <laughs> it, in fact, if you're not doing that, holler at your boy later, and that's not rhetorical. It would venture to say, based on the, the very terminology of the very definition of being a Christian, having the attributes of Christ, to get... that was loud during my sneeze. Yeah, awesome. I forgot what I was saying. That's right. That's what happens when you owe. Um, boom! <laughs> uh, I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Let's go to the scripture. That's better. Verse 16. I wish pastors be honest when they forget stuff. And you're like, they're just like, and the Lord said, no, you forgot, bro. Just say it. It'd be all right. They'll accept you. There's grace in the audience. Come on, give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> no, literally, I forgot. Verse 16. It says this. It says, I will show him how much he will suffer um, for my name. Then it goes on and says, then Ananias went to the house and entered and places his hand on Saul. And he said, brother Saul. Like I said earlier, brother Saul. Right? He, he did that. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me. My Batman. Has sent me. So that you may see again and be filled with the paracletos, which is the Holy Spirit. Next to it, it's paracletos. So that you can be filled with his paracletos, his Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised the dead. That's important to understand. that it, Because as we move forward, things are going to start speeding up rapidly. Because it's the same power, the, the, the same power, the same anointing that this dude is about to exhibit immediately. Because right here in verse, verse 18, it says immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Um, one of my roles I, I play um, in, a, uh, in a pretty aggressive denomination is I, I was responsible for urban church planning for North America. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in this weird mix of hood and strategic together. It's like, right? It's, it's weird. And so I like doing strategy, and I go into regions. I go, I've been to most of the your major inner cities in the country. And, and what, what I know is I know church. I know assimilation. I understand church. This is what I do. Okay? I'm saying that to say, to preface what I'm about to say. Basically, man, why does it take so long to move a person from here to there? From here to there, to say, like, yo, 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 bro, you give your life to Christ? Bro, don't no, take no special anointing to sweep the floor. Let's get busy. Moving them very quickly so that immediately, because go on, let's continue to read. Immediately, someone like fell from his face. He got up and was baptized. Check it out. And then after taking in some food, got you a little chicken. You know what I'm saying? That'll help you out a little bit. And, and then in verse 20, it says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues. And I, I understand what happened. He had to go and chill out for a few minutes and then he came back. But what I'm saying is that he moved rapidly. We didn't get in the way. Our processes, our systems moved out of the way. I'm a system person. People process implementation. That's how my, my brain works. But man, get out of the way. It allows somebody that's broken to enter because his, he is probably more, his competency is probably much higher than yours as it relates to reaching real people, talking real talk. And so that, you know, you know, talk to people, they be like, everything they say, be like, thank you, hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. They can't even talk to you in regular language. 
Come on, you know, you sitting next to him. You know what I'm talking about. You can't even talk to him, but that dude right there, all he has is normally, man, God has saved me. That's all I know. That's it. And that will have more power at once. He begins to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Did you see what just happened here? This, was, this dude was a terrorist against the, the terror, the, a terrorist against Jesus Christ himself. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus said. But now proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. <laughs> We still looking for miracles and all this stuff. That dude right there, you know them cats are like, man, because that dude gave his life to Christ, I know that there's a God. Come on. Come on. I know one or two. What am I saying? Is that we are called um, to be salt and light. I know the scripture of Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if it loses its saltiness, and this is where it loses the American church because the American church has become so consumer-driven that we want to please everybody and make everybody happy. Maybe we're throwing daisies out. No, that's not the Bible, bro. The great command, the great commission, those are very strong words. It says here, if you ain't, how can it be made salty again? But if it, I'm sorry, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. I am so glad I didn't say that, and that the scripture did. So basically, if we're not serving our purpose as Christians, those having the attributes of Christ, being first called us in Antioch, then what purpose do you really serve? Bro, you sucking up heat. I get a pin drop. That's awesome. What I'm saying. A hospital is not for well people. A hospital is designed for sick people. Move out the way. Be so busy that there's no. I know when like, I'm coming. Cause you know how we do. We walk in, we come to church, we got our white gloves out. How's the kids' ministry? Awesome. No, how's the worship? Oh, that's a three. I'm not gonna be here. Come on, bro. You're a Christian. You already believe. Bro, bounce. Oh, man, I just got rid of church members. That's awesome. Bounce. <laughs> Find something else to do. Because this is not a social club. This is the hospital for sick people that need healing, that need deliverance. And you're just here to consume and suck up so you can get better and better and better, become spiritually obese for real? Did my Savior die for that? That's offensive to me. You know, he's called us to be salt of the earth. Something pretty interesting about salt and light. Light from a distance is awesome. You can see it illuminates things, make everything nice and sexy, which is cool. Um, and we know that from a distance it's hot. If I touch that bad boy, it's going to burn my hand, all that foolishness. But there's something different about salt. If I place a pound of salt and a pound of steak right here, um, Unless the two make contact, that salt serves no purpose. It has to make contact with the subject in order to go into preserve, in order to add lasting flavor, in order to do we have value, in order to have all those things that salt represents. In order to do that, it has to make contact. My question for us is, and this is rhetorical because I know the numbers, when was the last time you shared the faith outside of a stage? 67% of Christians have not shared their faith in the last six months. Barna Group, pretty reliable. Have not shared the faith with anybody. And we're wondering, do you, do you understand right now, right now in America, 250 million people do not confess Jesus Christ as Lord, National Baptist Convention, in Lifeway Research. 160 million of those live in our city. That makes America, let this bake your noodle as we're doing mini mission trips and all this stuff. That's the part of the problem. That it makes America the third largest mission field in the world. Let that bake your noodle. We're going to abandon ship. 
Because we don't want to reach out and touch nobody. Low-hanging fruit is fine with me. Reconcile that in Scripture. That's not rhetorical. God commands us to reach the souls of this earth. In order to do that, we have to be salt. I want to do this and um, share this case study and leave us with a couple of things, and I'll be done, okay? I was uh, raised uh, in Grand Rapids um, from most of my, my childhood, and uh, I grew up around a, uh, in, a, in a neighborhood where there's a lot of uh, um, prostitutes, um, drugs, and all stuff, whatever, in the hood. And basically, um, had a lot of free time with my mother working a lot. And uh, so, hood, lots of foolishness, kids left by themselves, y'all get the point, right? Um, and uh, I, I wrote a book or whatever, and uh, the lady was helping me to edit and stuff. She said, she hit me up. I was at a coffee shop. She's like, yo. She didn't say, yo, I said, yo. It just translates in my mind, my theological cartilage. was just whatever. So, like, so she's like, yo, no. She was like, uh, he's like listen, it seems like you were normal as a kid here, but then you start doing this banging stuff. So what's missing? And though you business people, it's kind of like a gap analysis done in a matter of seconds. And left this, this hole. And like, and it got quiet. I'm 30-something years old, and I had to say something out of my mouth that I hadn't said to more than two people on the planet. I took a deep breath, and I remember sending this out of Big B. Yeah, when I was nine, I was molested. What do dudes go talk about that, for real? Where? Because for me... I was like, well, I got molested, so does that make me a homosexual? I was nine. Baby. Wait a minute. So if you're not homosexual, you prove you're not homosexual, that means I need to smash as many chicks as I can to prove that I'm not homosexual at nine. Oh, man, I tell you what. I ain't going to never let nobody else get hurt, not in front of me. At nine. So by 11, I lost my virginity. By then, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a troubled person in school, being taken out of class all the time because of fighting, because of I didn't speak well. I, I, 75% of my hearing is gone in one of my ears. I had all these things, I had all these classes and all this stuff, and all this stuff, and take me out of class, and I couldn't read. I couldn't read until I was 23 years old. Meanwhile, Jesus pushed me out <laughs> in the hallway because I'm a bad kid. For real? Maybe you just stop being so busy, Christian, and just start asking me questions. Called probing, open-ended questions. Ask a question, then maybe you can find out what's the brokenness inside of that saw. I remember sitting in sixth grade, my sixth grade teacher, uh, Ms. Sherman, she had on a teal, um, teal uh, jacket, cream colored shirt, um, pearls are on. She had her glasses with pearls swinging from there. Her breast smelled like coffee. Was sitting off to the right side of the building, uh, and at the at the back of the desk. Uh, I'm 45 years old, and I remember like it was yesterday. And she said, "I'm gonna get you out of my face, so I'm gonna pass you." So I go into seventh grade. Seventh grade is a big deal, man. It's like you got all these other classes. I already could, I was already behind everything else. So what do I do? I'm walking in me monkey people. Like, you know, they're trying to make me read out loud and all this stuff. People laughing, and I'm blowing your mouth out. Point blank. And oh, now he's a bad kid. Before you know, it, I get kicked out of grandpa's public schools. Before you know it, I fell in seventh grade seven times. Uh, sorry, seventh grade three times. Three, how do you fail in seventh grade three times? Without somebody stopping and saying something's wrong. Shoved me off into this alternative school, and they got grown men with beards up in this joint who think they're tough. 
better knuckle up. Boy, you ain't been training a day in your life. I grew up in a boxing gym. So what do you think I do within two weeks? I'm get kicked out of there. So where do you go after you're no longer allowed in the public schools? You hit the block, bro. I hit the block. And back then, like in the, in the 80s, what happened is that these, these, um, these cats moved from Chicago and moved to Michigan, and then they basically landed, the first uh, major group of them landed in, in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. How do I know that? Because the general, I ended up moving with the general from Chicago, I ended up moving to, moved with him. So what do you think happened? I got acclimated to love, true peace, freedom, and justice, vice lords. Became an officer. Then before you know it, somebody started, these white, little white things called crack cocaine hit the scene. Like, wait a minute, in 20 seconds I can make $20? Huh, that makes sense. I was living on my own. I left my mother's house at 16 years old. Oh, he's bad, he's just, he's just a thug out here. No, I was hungry out here. And where was you at church? People other than pointing at me, telling me to take off my hat. Pull up my pants. Buy me a belt, bruh. So I started selling dope. When I was going on, I ended up getting a group, make a long story go faster, and I'm getting a group of about 50 cats that were under, directly under my leadership. Went over to my mother's block, took over, kicked her out of her house, took over her, took over that whole block. Before you know it, it just got crazy. Three of my brothers shot from one summer to the next summer. One of my mother's porch, one across the street from my mother's house, one across the street from my grandfather's church. I better explain that. I didn't explain that the last time. See, my biological father, met him about 10 times. He bounced, but his, his dad had a church up the street who was really not my grandfather. He was, a, he, was a, he, was a, he was a community figure, but wasn't my grandfather. You feel me? But this church was literally walking distance. Walking distance. And when I say, and I'm not exaggerating, you come up on my block, you're getting blazed, bro. We shooting anything that come up there that represent gangster disciples, you're getting blazed. Right in front of the church, and these soft men just sat there and did nothing. I was hungry. All you have to do is just come with a, with a very unique ministry that's not taught in seminary. It's called the hamburger ministry. How about that? Come and say, bro, I got a greasy bag with something in it. You need to eat. And do that about 10 times and see if you don't gain space. Um, you can look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I guarantee you within the first three, you'll find it. Basic needs of human beings. It's an entry point for the gospel. Take up your bed and walk. Oh, yeah, and give your life to Christ. I'm going to speak this up. So I end up uh, selling drugs, doing all this stuff, and I got caught in a grand jury investigation. Uh, which means the feds watch you, you get locked up, blah, 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 blah. Do that. Uh, most of the guys they were getting like 15 years. My uh, ex girlfriend, she got two uh, 20 year accounts, two 20 year sentences, um, um, 20 to life, two of them. By the grace of God, I went to a boot camp, um, did my couple years, did my little boot camp thing, came on home, and, um, and I wish I could say I got better, but I was around all these subject matter experts. They knew the game better than I did, and they just schooled me on how to get it in, how not to get caught. So I got more involved with organized crime. I hurt people. That's what I do. And got involved with that, and next thing you know, I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, this dude right here, he got 15 chicks up in his house. He get money off of them. Bro, run your junk. Put him out of his prostitute house, made his house my house, and now I got prostitutes everywhere that know what I was doing. I hadn't hit 21, y'all. And I don't care about these rappers and these cats running off at the mouth. Like, man, I was scared to death. I started to go crazy. I was scared. I couldn't leave. You have 200 people, people kicking in your mama's door. People coming, shooting up everything. Oh, it's out on your mama's porch. You get scared. So I start running, I start ducking and dodging. And then before I know it, my, my grandfather made me leave and go to, go to Georgia. I, I went and got a job trying to do the right thing and all this kind of stuff. And, and then got a, I got an actual check. Legal money. And before you know it, 
this guy walk up and say, yo, you want to make some money? And you from the hood, you know, you know that language. You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to get it in. You ain't got to say nothing. I'm like, I know it's something dirty. Let's get it. And before you know it, he needed a bodyguard. He needed to get, he was an old school hustler. He was traveling across the East Coast, just doing whatever. And these eyes have seen things I wish no human being should ever have to see. These hands have done things I would no human being would ever have to do because I lost my mind. And unfortunately, there's no CBT training, no, no cognitive behavioral training for gangbangers. There's no PTSD training for gangbangers. There's none of it. It doesn't exist. It's starting to. So I left out this thinking until God started to send me some Ananiases. Because just as the church was pointing at me, there were other cats that were willing to invest. You see, I ended up moving, running to Detroit with this girl. And I uh, went to this church with 10,000 or so people. So it was a big church. And then I was saying earlier, like, these cats was wanting to hug me, bro. Man, I need my three feet, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, you stuck, you know what I'm talking about? It was, you know what I'm saying? It was, it, it's awesome now, but back then it wasn't too awesome. I'm like, bro, you better back up. You better catch your leg kick. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just in the line with it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so he basically, um, I, I, I do gave an altar call. I surrendered my life to Christ that day. And that girl that was with me, she surrendered her life to Christ that day. And guess what? 21 years later, she's my lady. Woohoo! Yeah. About one hour and 15 minutes, I will be there with her. Okay, wait. What am I saying? By the God's grace in him alone. Again, I couldn't, I can't make this up. I can't, I couldn't cook this up on my own. He sent people, individuals. He sent, a, he sent me an engineer. He sent me a business owner. He sent me a pastor. I kind of sort of became a pastor. God allows me to do some crazy thing. I've been involved with, I don't know, it's probably about 100 church plants that we've been able to help plant all over the globe. By God's grace alone, because I have no talent. I have nothing. I'm an empty vessel. But then he sends me this IT guy who teaches me, this is a node. This is a mouse. This is a topology. This is TCP IP. This is a subnet mask. And this is how you set up a network. It just broke down the internet for you. So he taught me engineering stuff. This was a dude from the hood was using bars, metaphors to explain to me, like, bro, you know, like when we on the block and I'm like, so, you know, saying that I mean the police coming? That's protocol. A language that's spoken through a medium. <laughs> and he explained it to me, and I was able to pass some tests that I shouldn't have been able to pass. Again, I couldn't read people. I can't make this up. I took this Novell certification first. Well, I took Bay Networks, a network class or whatever. I took that one. I took some a couple other small ones. Uh, but then, then I took the, the Novell classes. Dude with their master's degrees were leaving out there not able to pass them. I passed it half of the time, getting the equivalent to a B. Like, God's grace, I don't have anything. But there was an Ananias. He spent day in and day out, day in and day out. He'd be at my house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Talking. We set up a network in my living room. And he was telling me how to set these things up. He took from his family and gave to mine. Christian, he was a Muslim, by the way. Muslim mosque number one in Detroit. Then he sent me this business guy. This multimillionaire guy. He took me under his wing and told me, like, yo, you're not dumb. You know what I'm saying? You just call it flipping. We call it ROI, return on investment. You're not dumb. Let, let me just give you new language. So he took me out, get my articles in corporation, get my EIN number, blah, 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 blah. Show me a PL statement, show me what that is, show me how to do some stuff. And then we just made a lot, a lot of resources in a short period of time. Right? There was another Ananias willing to spend time, and he taught me how, he was a Christian, he was a Christian man, he taught me how to use business for the gospel. What am I saying? I could do this all night, y'all. What I'm saying is, is that there's broken people like you and like me that need you or me to go to them and take what you have already and invest it in them. Three things and I'll leave really quick. 
You need to make disciples. Do you, are you aware that four out of five Christians are not making disciples? Barnum Report. And we wonder why we are the third largest mission field in the world. Because we're not making disciples. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? I say be intentional. Pick one person that's, that's different, that's out there. I say, I'm going to spend time with them. And I'm going to let them do most of the talking. Or I do most of the listening. And just because this is a diverse church doesn't mean you have equity. Because I'm going to ask you, what does your dining room table look like? Intentionality, diversity, equity does not happen on accident. You need to invite somebody that does not look like you, does not come from where you come from. Invite somebody, take it from the church, take it home. Bro, what you doing after this? The last thing I'll say is get creative. What's, what do you have in your hand? What's your talents? What's your abilities? You heard my story. It's not strange that there's probably like 20 or so people in the IT field because I spent some time with them. And they come from the street just like I do. It's not probably not strange to you that at our church that we invest, there's eight youth and young adults that own their own companies. That we directly, I'm talking up to $35,000 of investment into just one business. By the way, the guy, his name is Stephen Malcolm. Because six years ago, he didn't know Jesus Christ. Now he's on the largest Christian tour in the world. Nominated for three Dove Awards. Right? It's not by chance that we've hired 240 jobs given to youth to work in the church. 240. Because it was done by some Ananias for me that I must do it for somebody else. So I'm going to ask this very bold thing. If you're sitting here today and you're saying like, yo, I'm that dude, I'm that girl, I'm the, I'm the cat that has not gone outside of my way to make disciples. And I know the numbers, so that's not, that's not, that's not play. If you're not intentionally walking with someone, if you're not intentionally engaged life on life with someone, not in a small group setting, I'm talking about breath to breath. I want you to stand up right now. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. I want to pray for us that as we leave out of here, we're not dismissed after this, but when we leave out of here, that we have a sense of urgency that moves us, that moves us. A sense of urgency like I need to do something. I have to invest in someone. So let's go to our daddy together. Lord, we just come as your kids that fall short. And it's so dope that we have grace, that we can come, first of all, and repent, Lord, and just say, Lord, we're sorry for being trifling. Not taking advantage of the opportunities that many around the globe don't have, that we can freely sit in a coffee shop and, and chop it up with people, and we're just not taking advantage of it. Lord, forgive us. And, Lord, because we know that you're just to forgive, Lord, we can move on. We can say, like, we can, now we can move on to, to, to the solution. Lord, I ask that you point out to every person in here that one person that they can draw, that they can say, man, do you, do, do you need somebody to, to do life with you? That every person has a person that they can go to and say, hey, man, I just want, I just want to do life with you for a minute. Keep it simple. I just want to do life with you. Well, I can't wait to hear the testimonies of people who made disciples, who made disciples, who made disciples, who made disciples. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be seated. We got to get out of here, but I don't, I don't want to be that dude that come up in here and acting like maybe everybody in here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you might have been sitting here and be like, yo, bro, I'm, I'm, maybe I got your life or, I, or maybe I don't, but man, I'm not sure. If the Lord whispered your name, would you know his voice? You might be sitting here right now and be like, bro, I'm, man, I'm, I don't know if it's a G, I don't know if God exists. Do you want to gamble? Because what if you're wrong? I'm a businessman. <laughs> and those odds don't look good. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong that there is a Jesus Christ who died for your sins, who desperately desires for you to be in relationship with him, and there is eternity in hell? What if you're wrong? So if you don't know Jesus Christ in this building right now, you're not sure if you have a relationship with him. I'm not going to be selfish today. I want to introduce you to my daddy. He's pretty dope. If that's you, stand up. Sweet. Sweet. Thank you all so much. Watch this video. Appreciate y'all so much. We appreciate you. We love our city, man. That's right. That's right. I like that about y'all. I'm here at Wendy's. They were kind enough to let us come and pay through the drive-thru for Love the City. Yes, yes. It's a blessing. Awesome, man. I didn't expect it. We cleaned out a couple of really focal flower beds that people pay attention to as they go through the neighborhood. They really needed a lot of love and they now say people care. To see the love in their faces and in their heart, I mean, as they were coming in to give the gift bags, and it just felt good. I mean, they have a heart on their shirt. It's not just seeing the symbol of the heart, but their hearts. until Tuesday and then all of a sudden this wonderful person shows up with a bag of groceries at the door. To City Life Church that I've heard about at Pangill and we kept meaning to go and now we have like, you know, invitations. So we're gonna be there on Sunday. Thank you so much. When life punches us in the face, we got an option. Will we be the individual that punches back or will we break the cycle? Love finds us in our darkest places and it runs right to us. Love runs to me, love runs to you, love runs to the city, meets us right where we're at, takes the dark and exchanges it for powerful new life in Jesus. Love runs together, love runs too. What's going on City Life? Okay, here's where we're at, listen up. We have Love the City Week coming up September 25th through October 1st. Now, if you were a part of last year, you know how incredible it is. It's where we go hit the city with projects and uh, buy people's food and knock on doors and get people groceries and just a whole bunch of things that happens throughout that whole week. And so what we're going to do today is this. We're going to close uh, with a bunch of pieces of shoes that are at the stage. And we're going to invite you up to grab a piece of shoe and make a pledge towards Love the City Week. Now here's the goal. We're trying to raise $20,000 to just paint the town with love that week. And then every dollar on top of that, we're gonna put towards our Love the City truck, which is $35,000 we're gonna need for the truck. Now that can feel like just a huge number and how is God gonna use uh, us to, to make that happen? Look, when we all come together collectively, he does amazing things. 
right? A truck that will go to neighborhoods so people can experience life, uh, true life, right where they're at. That the ice cream truck comes by and offers sweets for a moment, but we can bring sweets that are everlasting to them. The good news, practically, the truck will be outfitted with a stage and, and have equipment in it to have an outreach and food and different things. And, and so this is an incredible opportunity. And I want to just brag on our team leads and coaches that have led the way in this. We had a meeting last week and we all got together and said, let's pledge, let's dream big. What could we do in this room to tell the church where we're already at towards this amount? And so everyone took a piece of shoe, we prayed, we wrote some information, uh, and then we texted in our pledge amount. And we were able to, in that room, raise over $7,000 and we already have $1,400 given to love the city. And so right now, check this, we already have $8,400 pledged towards Love the City Week and the Love the City Truck. That is exciting. And so we want you to be a part of that. And so we're going to grab a piece of shoe. If you're in, if you believe to love people enough that God's love runs to, not from, it runs to me, it runs to you, it runs to the city. That is the vision of this church this year in a powerful way. Love runs to. And we're going to worship and we're going to write down whatever you feel in your spirit that God wants you to pledge towards Love the City Week. Let's do it. And then you're going to get to text on the screen 517-292-6022. And that's going to be up there. And just pledge uh, or text whatever your pledge is, whatever you believe that the Lord wants you to give towards it. And then over the course of the next month, we will roll out the exact serving plan. We will have opportunities to give. You can give your pledge amount in the app, online. You just check the Love the City Fund. So do the drop-down menu, Love the City, or any time during the giving on Sunday services. And we'll collect all of that. Our last Sunday to give towards Love the City will be September 24th. Exciting. So let's go. Let's gear up. Let's spend some time in worship. Let's pledge. Let's text our amount in as we try to hit our goal of $20,000 and then $35,000 for a Love the City truck, y'all. I'll leave us with one story. We had a house we knocked on right on one of the last days. We were doing the knock-knock groceries. We handed some groceries to a family and they were just taken back. They said, we don't have food and we weren't sure how we were going to eat this weekend because we don't get assistance till next week. And you can imagine the tears and the prayer. And that family started to come to City Life and has come up to me many times and they say, your messages are speaking right to me. It's like every word is directed to me. Now what we know is this, that's God's love customizing. That's God's love reaching them. That's God's love going to people. That's God's love meeting people right where they're at. So as we have this symbolic token that we can take home of our pledge, we remember that people feel worn, they feel torn, they feel smelly, and we don't know what it's like to be in their shoes, but Jesus shows up to them. And we strap up our shoes and we say, you know what? We were worn, we were torn, and we know what it's like to be made new we want to offer that same good news to people in such a practical, powerful way. So will you join us to be a part of a movement to just really let love be our song, the love of Jesus. We love you guys. Come on up to the front and grab your piece of shit. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.